and welcome to the podcast. You're having tea with Alice. This week's episode is with John Hastings, who's a friend of mine and a friend of the podcast, and we had a really lovely chat. We sat outside a cafe in Adelaide, and we talked about Mike Tyson, Dave Chappelle, made a defense of good rape jokes. We talked about periods of change in history, uh, being an adult, how to bring up kids, masculinity, Freud, advertising, death, uh, and long-distance relationships. I think it was a really interesting chat. I always like talking to John. It took us a little while to hit our stride. Uh, I forgot to ask him what he was drinking until about 15 minutes in, so it was a little scattered at the beginning, but I feel like it it fell into a really lovely conversation, and I I very much enjoyed having it. You should look up John if you have a chance, if you're in any of the places where he is uh, in the world. He's a very good comedian and a lovely chap and well-deserving of your time and or ticket money. Thank you, everybody, who's been coming out to see my show in Adelaide, Ethos. It's, when I, I call it a show, it's on its way to becoming a show. So the support of people coming to watch it in these early days is so agonizingly sort of a compliment. I'm not sure if I'm living up to it at the moment. This first week has just been a real wrestle because the show is so logistically difficult and conceptually uh, slightly beyond me, actually. So it's that thing of... of my reach is exceeding my grasp at this point, and I, I have confidence that I'll eventually get there, but every day it's getting better, and that process can't happen without an audience, and it's just been lovely to see so many friendly faces in the audience, so many lovely people, uh, the occasional sort of confused person, but uh, especially on Clipsal Weekend, Clipsal, the Clipsal 500 is the Adelaide race where they drive cars in circles. I don't know very much more about it than that, except that on the weekend that it happens, a lot of really uh, intensely loud men come and occasionally try to grope you in the street. I don't know whether that's race car fans or if it's just race car fans who go out and also watch comedy or race car fans who go out and watch comedy while drunk, but there is some Venn diagram crossover that just leads to not the best weekend of the fringe for me, but I uh, I've been having a really good time and I'm very I'm very hopeful about this show. I think it's I think I, it'll be good, and uh, it's on its way there now. Enough about this is just me articulating my own sort of inner monologue and insecurities. So I'm not going to keep blithering. I wanted to say thank you to everybody who's come to the show. Thank you everyone who's emailed me, who's tweeted me who has hit me up on the Patreon messages, who's asked me for articles or, uh, you know, doing requests on the Patreon is one of the fun things that I get to do for you guys. Um, and thank you. Thank you for being there. Email me, alicerfraser at gmail.com. Hit me up on Twitter at alliterative, A-L-I-T-E-R-A-T-I-V-E. The Patreon is uh, patreon.com slash alicefraser. All of that. I do really love hearing from you. It's such a lovely thing to have such an incredibly warm and engaged and thoughtful and generous and kind uh, group of listeners. It gives me faith. I will let you listen to this conversation with John and I will see you next week. You're having tea with Alice. I actually like trying to embrace being responsible but like even like because we got super drunk at a wine tour like all day i've just been like that was you shouldn't have done that for no other reason than i'm just like you've now just wasted a day of 
not being outside in nice weather and it's just like it's irresponsible but i just think we we have lost a level of that in society which is like there's no embarrassment anymore there's just a lot of entitlement yeah i think that whole movement i mean this is the thing shame can be such a damaging thing and shame and guilt and regret and and failed duty those mm. used to be these things that tyrannized over people mm. but they are also incredibly valuable like it's incredibly valuable to feel shame yeah and, why, and it's also analyze why you feel it like why you feel regret oh it's because you cared about that thing and you didn't take the action for it or you screwed up an opportunity but I think it's also people then assume and you know media tells you this of like you shouldn't have any regrets all that sort of stuff it's like what they're saying is is that don't let your regrets fuel you and keep dwelling on them but like acknowledge and be like oh and learn from them we've kind of lost a space for learning from our mistakes now there are very few oh, yeah. people who i mean unless they're mike tyson maybe but who get to make a mistake and publicly acknowledge it and be forgiven well here's the it just using mike yeah mike tyson's very true i of all of them i think mike tyson didn't do it and he's the only one I don't think he, I don't think he did it. I think he was swept up in the media frenzy of it all. Wait, are we talking about Mike Tyson or Mike Tyson? Okay. Well, you know what happened to Mike Tyson, or what Mike Tyson went to jail for two years, I think, for yeah. sexual assault. Sexual assault, yeah. And he always claimed it was consensual. And then the girl saw a financial opportunity with a civil suit, and then did it, but she didn't have enough evidence for a civil suit, or so it got rolled into a criminal charge, and he ended up going to jail. But I mean, a criminal charge is quite a high burden of proof. The reason that civil suits work where criminals don't is because it's on the balance of probabilities rather Absol than on, you know, beyond reasonable doubt. Beyond reasonable doubt is a pretty fucking high bar to clear. Absolutely, but he always has claimed, he goes, yes, we did have sex, she consented to it. Yeah. And then, but that was always his defense. Yeah. And her defense was, no, we didn't. Also, I was intimidated by Michael ja or Michael Mike Tyson because yeah. he's the scariest man in the world. Yeah. And his defense was like, I'm not that scary. <laughs> and then it's like, no, Mike Tyson, you're terrifying. You don't wear socks and you eat people's lunch professionally like yeah. you're a terrifying man. Yeah. But he's admitted to everything else dire and stupid and terrible. So do you think that it was something like what happened with Aziz Ansari, where he thought he was making all the great moves and this woman was being seduced by him and she just felt deeply uncomfortable on I the think inside? It was, I think it was possibly that, which is, it's not a crime, but it's still not cool. Well, like the, you have to just... I think the mens rea for rape, and I'm calling on some very old stuff here, is that you have to... I don't even know what the, one of those words were. The mental were. state that is required for it to be a crime. The difference between murder Thank and you. manslaughter, for example. For those of you listening, uh, one of us is a bachelor of fine arts and the other one is literally a lawyer, so there's going to be a few few clarification moments. Um, that, that, you, that a reasonable man in the position of the accused would have believed she was consenting. So it's... a Okay, say that again slower. So a reasonable man who's doing what, you know, he's gotcha. doing would have believed she was consenting. Is that a similar notion to then the thing of like um, expectation of privacy? Like if you're in a public place and you see microphones, your expectation, even if you don't want to be recorded, you should leave because you now, your privacy isn't expected to be preserved because you can see the microphones and you're in a public place. Is that a similar sort, sort of philosophical... Similar philosophical position, position. yeah. Yeah. That I find it all very. Fa I find the whole thing very fascinating. It is very fascinating, and it's one of the areas where the criminal law sort of falls down because, unlike many other crimes, it's very difficult to determine post hoc what happened. Mm. Well, that's the th why you know, 
And the criminal law goes, well, we have to give people the benefit of the doubt. We have to give the accused the benefit of the doubt. It's better to to let a guilty man go free than to put an innocent man in yeah, jail. Man, That's I, the kind was, of fundamental principle. Yes. And nowadays you get this argument on the other side that you should just believe the victim. And I agree. And I think, and also 99 times out of 100, the victim, especially in those these sort of cases of the... I think the victim is telling the truth. Yeah, and then it, also the the fact is that it is deeply traumatizing for these victims to 100%. come forward. Uh, Shaming and also when you're dealing with someone who is in a place of power. Yeah. That's also terrifying because you're afraid you're going to lose your spot, especially when it comes to show business and there's a level of shame and a level of lack of understanding. And now we're in a place where, you know, comedians are doing stand-up about the victims and not necessarily choosing their words correctly in trying to make light of what's going on. Yeah. And I just find it very frustrating. Yeah. I, I just find it very interesting but very frustrating because I'm like, no, but certain people are like, yeah, but it's funny that they couldn't handle such and such happening to them on the phone. And it's like, oh, that's very interesting because you've also built a portion of your career discussing the struggle of different communities. We're talking about and Chappelle here. We're right? talking about Dave Chappelle specifically. But like but you wouldn't use that same argument in discussing the black community's relationship to being racially pers- persecuted, but when it's a woman being assaulted by a man, she's flimsy. And I just am like it's a problematic premise. It is a problematic premise. I I think that bit is very funny and I also found it mildly annoying, but Well, the whole special just bugged me because I was like take another week that's all those all of those things would have been solved all my problems with it would have been solved with like just a little bit more tweaking and it would have been perfect yeah because i like that he was i liked that he was talking about it i just felt it was a bit it was a bit too loose for it and not respecting the subject matter yeah and it's well it's a sort of a failure of, of empathy yes of just thinking how would i feel if i were in the audience and i had been the victim and i think there are some some jokes and some principles are worth mm. offending over. You know, there are some people who should be offended. 100%. It's even... Um, someone who's very close to me was sexually assaulted and they've come to comedy gigs a lot and their opinion specifically on rape jokes I always think is very funny and she goes, um, it's important to me that people can do it but I get way more upset when they're bad. Yeah. Because to her it's like I've been through that it's very traumatic I do want to laugh around the notion of it but you have to yeah well it's, it's it has to be really good and especially for the victims I think it's important that it's a topic that's on the table that's open that's openly discussed that just, can be funny that can be that you can have some relief from mm. it being just this terrible secret thing just needs to be it just we got to a place but in comedy bad, especially yeah it was just just wasn't anything. handled delicately enough so it kind of went it came off the table but it'll come back because the other thing by the way that this entire movement we just are going to go through another Andrew Dice Clay <laughs> Sam can like Mark you already see that now you already see that coming up with these naughty boys of comedy and there's an audience for them because people feel such a relief at being allowed again to laugh at victims are there naughty boys of comedy though oh yes I don't know they tend not to get in that much trouble it's the people who are trying and failing who get in big trouble because if you feel like you're in a um, if you're in a small group of resistance fighters whose backs are up against the wall, you're always going to treat a traitor worse than you treat a prisoner of war. Yes, 
because it's you were one of us and now you've turned your back. That's a that's far worse than you never were one of us. Yeah, hundred percent. This is totally off topic, but I, you're smarter. No, I get very frustrated by the terms left and right because I just feel they're very antiquated and needless. I agree with and that. And it just drives me up to all, and especially now because it's becoming such a buzzword like they're on the left, they're on the And I want to always sit down and be like, explain to me how I'm like, how you are here and they're over there. When it's like, actually, no, you don't understand the sides and it's shifted and it's much bigger. Like, being a right wing should have nothing to do with religion. It, right wing people should actually push away religion because it can affect the bottom line. And right wing is again well, it depends if you're thinking libertarian, right wing, right wing, and all these other sort of definitions. Loose, yeah, yeah, lo- such loose definitions. And I think you should be able to, like, yeah. there should be more fluidity between the sides. But it seems like if you, yeah, you kind of take insane. the whole package along with it. Yeah, because it's like I. You know, I staunchly want, I think healthcare should be like free, 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 free. And I was talking with someone and then, but, and then in the same sort of conversation we were talking about the army and I'm like, no, the army should be there, but it should be specifically defensive only. Yeah. If you made every country be defensive military only, they can't, like the FBI, the FBI can't investigate internationally, can only work in the United States. If your army is only to protect your country, they're like, well, how could you say that if you want, like you... Don't left wing people want to get rid of the military? It was one of those conversations. Really? Yeah. Can we have some nuance on some of these points? No. That, that's because you're a, you're an adult man, John Hastings. <laughs> In a many ways, a straight adult and a white one too. Oh Lord! Imagine all the things that I get blamed for. How do that you I feel do. when that happens? Do you I feel I don't really care when people no. talk about like know, I have like, or whatever? I'll have like a minute of it in the same way that if like you know you, if you lose like. I have it in the same way of like you ever do something that's definitely was your fault and you have that one minute of like I don't want to take the blame for this but it was my fault. Yeah. I have like a similar thing to that. Yeah. Where what they're it, the more nuanced point of like when someone's like it's it's not all white people it's just that what it is happening in my mind mm. is it's a lot of groups everyone is leveling up and the world is becoming a place of equality. The world is becoming a better place. I understand a lot of people don't want to believe it but murder rates across the west are down hugely. Yeah. Um there is a bit more prosperity and we're in a huge level of adjustment. People are going to live longer. We have to figure out what, how we're going to stay healthy, all this sort of stuff. All these groups are, their voices are being heard. So it's a level of an adjustment and there's radical natures to every single one of these groups because it's all new. They're at the forefront because that's what people want to talk about. But give it 10 years, it'll all settle down and we'll move on to other things. Because, you know, like Trump will stop being the president in three years. Brexit will probably just mean that Britain is part of the European Union still, but just have to pay a bunch of money to get their name taken off the fucking masthead. And it'll all kind of all readjust and it'll go back to being business as usual. And then I think all of that will stop it. I don't feel that I I find it very funny mocking both sides of it. I think everyone's just being a bit ridiculous and yeah. Yeah. I think, I think most things are open to be mocked. What are you drinking by the way? I'm drinking a flat white made of soy from a different coffee shop or coffee shop because we're not at a coffee shop than the coffee shop we're sat in outside of which I found incredibly daring I'm sorry if everyone my thoughts are a bit frazzled I went on a wine tour yesterday and ended up over imbibing I passed out on the phone with my girlfriend and I apparently said to her baby I will remember none of this conversation I love you and then I just hung up and fell asleep and was found just like in my bed or like on my bed just like in a bowl by other very drunk people 
That's nice. It's a real left turn evening. It's good yeah. to know that uh, when you're, all your filters are off, you still say that you This is nice a terrifying, terrifying thing about me, Alice, is that when I'm really messed up on any sort of chemical situation, I apparently am very, like, I'm calm and giggly, but I don't stutter and I don't seem that messed up. And so people are always like, you did what? No way. You seem fine. And that scares me because I'm like, what if one day I turn and no one believes that I was drunk? They're just like, well, that's what he's really like. And that's just a, a fear that lives within me. I mean, that's a totally reasonable fear. Because you don't, you've never, uh, you're a teetotaler. Yes, this podcast. I am. Very boring. Uh, it's not boring. I don't, as with each passing day, I don't find the, I get less and less enthused by the whole thing. I'm just like, it's sort of something I did but I don't there's nothing more irritating than a man who's 37 who thinks it's impressive that they get drunk every night it's like you've been an adult for 20 years you shouldn't be that like cool with it yeah I think that's one of the things we were talking about it just before I turned the microphones on the idea that people now don't really want to be grown ups yeah or held accountable as grown ups for what they're doing oh absolutely and I hate it I like being a grown up I like you know it's annoying having responsibility but you have it like you just do it. It's not difficult. Oh, I mean, I I remember being at school and just wanting more autonomy and freedom mm. and taking it. Often, I used to skip out of class uh, a lot. That's, that's crazy. I skipped class one time just to see what it was like, and I didn't like it. I, I used to go to the library. Of course you did, nerd. Yeah. I watched the Babylon 5 movie. Oh, it was on television in the afternoon. I can't remember what it's called, but it's great. It serves as a prequel for... Did you ca- get caught or did you self-police? I literally said to my mom, Mom, can I skip school this afternoon? I want to see what it's like. And it was like the last semester of high school. And she was like, yeah, I don't care at this point. Go ahead. Like, I think I already was accepted to a university. Like, there's nothing I could do at this point. To mess it up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, my mom was very relaxed about that kind of thing. I would just say, I don't want to go to school. She's See, like, weirdly, oh, sweetheart. I'm, yeah, I'm like weirdly not. Like, you know, I'm with someone who I think is the person I will be with for the rest of my life and have kids with. And we've talked about like how we're raising kids. And she's like very sort of like laissez-faire. And I'm like, oh, no. Like if they skip class, that is trouble. Discipline. How would you impose discipline? It wouldn't be like discipline, but it would be like you have to go. You're part of your your life goal job is you are a student at a school. Unless you're sick, you have to go. That's your job. And you have to try. I mean, and you are remunerated by a free place to live, all the food you can eat, and protection from the world via me. And the minute you don't want that, well then. That's trouble. Then you can go out and get a job. You can go out and get a goddamn job. I mean, that's... I think you'll be a great dad, John Hayes. I think it's also the difference between... And this is... Everyone strap in for what's going to sound like a sexist comment. I also think dudes are way stupider as teenagers than girls are. And girls, I think you can be a little bit more lax. But boys, for two years... Like, the hormones... I remember you just Well, testosterone is a very dangerous drug. Yeah, you're angry and horny and want freedom for like two and a half years and you got a squeaky voice and it's just a nightmare like you need to literally like sit on them <laughs> it's also like because like i assume like your friends in high school all were i'm picturing a lot of foreign exchange students um that was my primary school i didn't have friends in high school you didn't have friends in high school no. 
Yeah. Remember that? Yeah, I was a big nerd. I mainly skipped out of class because I was bullied. Oh, man. That's the other thing is if someone, like, bullies, even my nieces and nephews, like, I heard my brother was getting bullied, and I was like, I'll beat the kid up. I'll just beat him up. Like, I hate it. Yeah, I don't, I, I mean, I can't say I enjoyed it particularly much, but I was a really weird kid. Like, I, yeah. I, I can understand why I was bullied in that I'm a pretty odd adult now and I'm not to everyone's taste. As I guess is. so. Yeah, and you can't really... Bu- There's no mother is bullying as adults, but it's just a little bit more... Subtle. Well, people have the freedom not to hang out with you if they don't like the flavor of you. Whereas That's in school, true, you're forced to spend time with people who are uncomfortable for you to be around. And I'm pretty sure I was pretty uncomfortable to be around. I was always like I am now. Just wearing the same clothes for weeks at a time, talking about Aristotle's nature of being yeah washing the clothes in between wearing them but yes and you do wear the same clothes every day at school because it's a uniform oh that's right i forgot (laughs) australia also has the weird school uniform thing yeah or otherwise known as the normal school uniform thing which the weird thing is that because of north america basically being the only place in the west that it's the only i think everywhere else just does school uniforms but north america no unless it's private school yeah it's one of those i guess two different angles on the idea of freedom the reason that the uk and therefore australia and japan and everything have school uniforms was a democratic principle the idea that you wouldn't be able to tell from somebody's clothes where they came from they came from so it's an equalizing it's an equalizing principle but I think America's taken the idea of freedom in the opposite direction and saying, well, you wear whatever want. you want. Yeah. Uh, I... Which seems like a waste of time to me. It's fine. Like, I see both sides of it. I know that a lot of parents are actually for it because it's cheaper. Yeah. Well, that's another reason why it's a democratic thing. It is cheaper. Yeah. You just buy three sets of the whatever and then away you go yeah and then mo- uh, many schools have subsidies for poorer children and so on and so forth and so every school has own uniform yeah even public schools in Australia for, for those of you who don't know we're in Australia recording this episode a lot of the smaller kids have to wear these weird hats all the time yes that's because we have no ozone layer here it's so weird and sun exposure as a child is one of the things most strongly correlated with skin cancer which is a, a massive thing in Australia. Although now we're starting to get um, things like vitamin D deficiency because... They're literally slathered with like SPF 90 from the day they're born. Yeah, when I was a kid, we had the Slip Slop Slap campaign, which was... Uh, this is not the first time someone has explained this to me. Yeah, Were you? It was on everything. It was, uh, you know, we had... I think the 90s was the period of... 80s and 90s was the period of, of a lot of mottos, a lot of, you know... Click, clack, front and back with seatbelts. Click it or ticket. That's the one I know of that, which is... Slip, slop, slap, which was slip on a T-shirt, slop on some sun cream, slap on a hat, uh, stop, drop and roll. Stop, drop and roll, the classic. Down low and go, go, go if there's a fire. Stop, drop and roll. How many people were being set on fire in the middle 90s that we needed a phrase? (laughs) I don't think I've heard stop, drop and roll tense. Also, there was a lot of pollution-based... Canada got very big into the green movement briefly while continuing to be a massive polluter even to this day only country ever kicked out of the kyoto um accord wow accords for uh for continually uh lying about uh that we will get right on it and kept fracking oh Oh, canada is the vw of countries volkswagen did a thing where they had they said that they had these green cars and they were lying basically oh yeah In in short 
It's a big scandal in Germany. Was the very, of course, it, what? Really? Yeah, huge scandal. I mean, huh. I think it's astonishing that they managed to keep Volkswagen going as a brand, despite the fact that it was like the car yeah, of the, the Nazis. It was the car. Of, listen, but yeah, you start going after like, the amount of companies that, re, like IBM is the biggest one, which is like, you know how they organized all that was IBM was like a computer pay us to maintain it. All this stuff. Oh, my God. Like, it's, it's so crazy. My dad still won't buy certain brands because he's like, it's conceivable that people who were alive then are still profiting from it. So, although now that's becoming less likely. Yeah. No, you get, so he hasn't drank Coke and. Nah. It's good for him. I've tried. It's so delicious. Delicious Nazi beverage. And Fanta's my favorite. The Fanta, because Fanta's basically the big drink of Britain. Like, they love it. Yeah. And it was completely developed because Coca-Cola wanted to be able to continue to sell the Nazis so they just invented this other drink I mean all of that comes back to like there's this fascinating documentary called The Century of the Self it was on BBC at one point um, and it sort of talks about the Freud family so the development of uh, psychotherapy and psychoanalysis the idea of a self that needed to be actualized yes and how that marched in lockstep with advertising because it was his nephew that invented the term public relations yes yes so they kind of Everywhere you look in, in both advertising and psychology, there's this family all saying there is a you and it's not just your being mm. in the world. There's, a, there's an underneath you and it needs to come out and it needs to be expressed. And if it's not expressed, you'll get all these mental problems. And so you need to actualize yourself and, and display yourself to others. And you're not yourself until you've said who you are, ideally by buying a hat, you know. That's the thing that's so fascinating yeah. about it is... I'll tell you what completes you. Cheesecake. Like, it's just n- such a loo- And because it was smoking. That's where it all came from, right? I think that's the... Smoking was a, an interesting advertising campaign because they... It was one of the first times where you got to see them co-opting a social movement. Which was the... Feminist movement. Feminist movement. Because smoking was seen as a man's thing and then they marketed it to women as a form of empowerment. Torches of freedom. So you can Light buy your, torches your own of freedom. empowerment. Yeah. Yeah. It's so crazy. Oh, there's a book. Which is what feminism, a lot of feminism, a particular branch of feminism that I dislike is now. There's feminism. Why are you winking? Everyone knows you don't like feminism. No, but you know what I mean? That branch of feminism that is like, empower yourself by buying this sparkly jumpsuit. Like, uh, Yeah, it's, but it's again, it's one of those things where it's, that's sort of how you know that the movement, as soon as something like that becomes mainstream, yeah. which this, the one thing is feminism has always sort of had this sort of cachet of the like, Either why do you even need to say it? Of course, women are equal, or the adverse of like, oh, they're man-hating, like demigod evil women, and it's it's becoming now as this feminism, and you can see it as it's being like mainstream. Like, are you a feminist? So is Nike. Yeah. Like, it's that for me. Me always signals okay that it's actually working now. It's going to be just mainstream, in the same way of like when you saw like gay marriage and all this sort of stuff being in like mainstream Hollywood movies that would have had to been developed over five years and they that the movie wasn't about two dudes being married it was just there were a couple in the movie that were gay yeah you know okay well that's now mainstream like that's now mainstream it's it's gonna be somewhat acceptable and it's the weird thing that you can kind of see it in advertising is like okay we're ready that won't affect the product we can now use that to sell yeah not only will it not affect the product it will make the product more appealing to a segment of the audience and that segment is more important than the other segment. Absolutely. Like, it's the thing is, like, you know, 
my brother's generation and my nieces and nephews' generations, I think, will grow up knowing that men and women are totally equal and not have they'll have some of the same problems as our current society, but I think it will be better. Yeah, I don't know how it will play out. I don't know, because at the moment you have this backlash with people like Jordan Peterson, who are making um, a very obvious point and then leveraging that into less obvious and more worrying points, which is yes. that men are distinct from women in a number of ways. Mm-hmm. And whether, you know, they argue that that's biological purely, whether it's biological or socialised, men feel a need to be men and they're feeling like they're not allowed to be men in that way in this current trend. They call it the feminization of society. Yes. And the reality is that all civilization is sort of feminization. All civilization takes away the need for big strong men to fight off predators. Yes. And so because it's a society, so there are no predators. It's you have the police, you call the police, you don't need to knock someone out. I don't know. The Jordan Peterson I find very fascinating because there's a part of me that goes, yeah, there are we have lost something in society because people aren't afraid of getting punched in the back of the head. That also said, there was much worse problems when that was totally and absolutely acceptable. Yeah. One of the biggest ones were people were punching each other in the back of the head constantly. Yeah. And you know, for men actually, pre-feminism, it wasn't all shits and giggles either. You had to, you know, take care of a family of four and never cry. Like, it wasn't necessarily yeah. the best of all possible worlds. Look at the alcohol consumption in a pre-prohibition world where the average man in just America was consuming four bottles of whiskey a day. It's the average. I mean... So, the, like, there was problems on both sides. Because that means that there was some people who were having none. Yeah. And some people that were having eight <laughs> in a day. In a day. That is a lot. Um, That's a lot. And Jordan, what I find now very interesting is the people that are making allies. So Jordan Peterson's now doing a debate, him and Stephen Fry versus two people about the benefits of political correctness and all this sort of stuff. Oh, that's really interesting because I know Stephen Fry has been on the pointy end of political correctness arguments before. Mm-hmm. In a way that seems sort of strange to me because he seems to put his money where his mouth is in terms of supporting people, like, you know, all sorts of causes of dispossessed people and people in hard places and times. Yeah. It's also, I think, probably just coming from an intellectual place of what I think a lot of people forget is Stephen Fry is an incredibly intelligent person, so he forgets that some people can't deal with the concepts he's saying, which is, well, everyone should be able to understand that X and Y, this is this and this is the distinction and he'll say something from Catullus and it'll sound very good but it's also something like, you know, society is very rough for people that are transgendered and for women and stuff like that. There's laws and reasons to protect them so they feel comfortable and can walk down the street proudly Yeah. in the same way that there are laws that protect gay people because two, five, ten, twenty years ago you weren't necess- you weren't even you you were the way that you conducted yourself and the way you felt special and the, the person you were attracted to it was illegal to do to do anything yeah so we had to Which, adjust society sort of to bring it back to the beginning of this conversation is one of the reasons why we had this cultural backlash against shame because it was such a damaging thing mm-hmm. for you know if the only option for you was to be cast out of society and pursuing your you know self or desire or to squash it down into a hole and have a miserable marriage with a lady who would never understand yeah, that you were why she was 
being treated like shit. I just don't like it. Who has the energy to keep up that? Like, I always think about this with people that cheat on their partners. Like, who has the fucking time? A lot of admin, man. So much admin. Yeah, I mean, you're in a long-distance relationship. Mm-hmm. But how, how, how much time do you spend apart? Most of the time. Like, I'm not going to I haven't seen her since February 4th. And I will see her again on the evening of May 1st. Wow, that is a long time. It's really frustrating, especially when you're hungover from a wine tour and just w- would like a like a, a cuddle from your girlfriend, and then you you just end up laying in bed and almost having a cry, but then realizing that's just because you've drank too much wine and your brain's a little fuzzled. So you do you co- cry often, or do you think it's unmanly to cry? I cry a, a fair amount. I don't know, like three times a year. That seems like a reasonable amount to me. I'll cry at a funeral? Yeah. I wouldn't cry at a wedding. Oh, I'll cry at a wedding. I, get, you, I love me some love. Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. I have a friend who, a family friend who is a wedding celebrant, and she just insists on doing it for free because the joy and love, she just feels like she's getting this kind of spillover of love that gets beamed at the couple. What a gets, hippie. Yeah, she's... She's such a hippie, but she's also a very, very good woman. She was one of the few people who really stuck around as my mum got sicker. They were friends at school, and she just mm. stayed through the really, really, really hard times when a lot of other people who loved my mum couldn't really handle watching her very slowly fall to pieces. Yeah. Um, so it's very interesting who sticks with things, how people handle death. I've find that the most schadenfreude like the things people say to people that are going through either someone slowly dying or someone suddenly dying yeah. and how people try and sort of react to that is just like I think it's awful but I also think it's it just shows the lunacy and selfishness of people of like that beautiful relation game of like oh your mom died of MS I had a cactus and I it also had yeah, it, it fell out of the window. Yeah, yeah. And it's Those like, no. weren't the worst um, ones. I mean, the worst one I wrote a show about, but uh, th- at least they're trying to empathize. It is sli- you, get, you get a slight surge of rage, but it's not as bad as but some what is, I don't understand why people try and empathize. Just be like, I'm so sorry for what's happening. Can I... Can I get you a taco? Would you like some assistance? And then just get out of the fucking way. I mean, there's often no real right thing to say. In, in the no. same way as, as no pickup line works on every woman. It's partly who you are in... Rela- like, it's the ethos of the whole thing. Right? Oh! It's partly who you are in relation to the person. So someone can say... Plato is spinning in his boy-filled grave. It's when... Yeah, it's, it's, someone can go you know, I can't possibly imagine what that feels like. Mm. And my response could be fury. Just, well, fucking yeah. try, mate. Like, you know, <laughs> it's true. because partly just because grief sort of spills over into all of your other emotions and yeah. rage seems to be very available. I don't think I was, I don't think I had access to a lot of anger until after mum died and then it all sort of, a lot of it happened at, at once. Well, you have to go through those, the seven stages of... You know, anger, denial, bargaining. I don't know if that. I don't know if ones. I believe that. That seems sort of too neat. But some. But it's one of those things where I. It's also like I don't believe, but I have also found when I've had death in my life, I, you do find yourself doing that. Like you do find yourself being like, I wish, and you're like, 
don't fucking be a statistic, but it's just yeah. Because human beings, we are a collection of chemicals housed in some skin, and we do react. Yeah, I found the way that I was thinking about it is, you know, when you're in love. Yes. All of your other emotional responses are tied up with that. So when you're happy, it's sort of love happy, and when you're mm. sad, it's sort of romantic sad. And when you're angry, it's passionate anger. Yes. I think the same thing with grief. It's just that your bucket for holding sadness is too full of sadness. So the sadness spills over into your other emotions. That was the way that I thought of it. A failure of compartmentalization. Yeah, it's also, I think that's probably a good failure. If you were like, I'll be sad now and then I'll just keep going. It's like, oh, well, you're, you're going to snap. Well, I was in an Uber the other day and I just recognized this thing because this man, I'd never met him before. Within two minutes, he'd told me that he had lost his daughter, mm. young child. Where did he find her? <laughs> that he'd lost his daughter and that he and his wife were having real hard time because mm. that's one of the worst things that can happen to two people who've had a child. Um, I think probably the worst. Um, and I just was like, oh, I remember this. I remember when I could not have a conversation with anybody without, without bringing it up. That because that was the whole of my life life yeah. at that time and and that also I think can drive people away because they go well she has to let it go and it's like well she will but just give her gotta give her some time like yeah yeah it, it, I just find it very funny that people are just like also just some people haven't going back to empathy haven't been through it so they just sort of they intellectual intellectualize what they think they sh- you should do I think the ones that were least likely to annoy me were the ones who either knew mum and made it about her, Mm. not about them or even about me. Like, oh, you know, I remember this about your mum and, you know, it was great. She was great in this way. That was nice. Did anyone come out and be like, your mum was my enemy? Mum was nobody's enemy. You didn't have to stop someone from dancing on their on her grave at no, some point or another? No, weird, th- like, not the weird. One of the great things about mum was that even when she was dying, people would come into her hospital room to sort of pay their last respects. And, and at that time, she was, you know, just in so much pain and so weak. And they'd walk in and she'd be like how are you? Like, she just, that was the kind of, you know, she didn't, she wasn't particularly self-involved in that way. There's got to be, I'm now just trying to think of, is there someone out there where, like, the enemies show up at the funeral and are like, (laughs) all right, who's going to dance on their grave first? Yeah, I don't, I mean, I'm sure there must be people like that. Yeah, it's got to, it's so strange. Do you have anyone you'd dance on the grave of? No, no. No, I'd, I'd write a show about them. That seems I'd, to be my revenge. It's weird. I'm going through that. I have a lot of rage tied up with like Brexit and and Trump because I just find it such an exercise in anti-intellectual nonsense, and I just it just feel like, can you guys just move? Can we just go ahead in three years where it all just resets again and this stops being annoying? Do you think it will reset? Do you have confidence, or is it wishful thinking? I have absolute confidence in it, one hundred percent. So you're an optimist about human nature. I don't think I'm an optimist. I just think if you look at history and you look at the way things go, there are these little glitches and these moments, but in the end, everything sort of works out all right in the end. Oh, there's a jet plane going overhead. Yeah. Um, Hopefully he's on our side. I think what happens a lot is people will only look up to a certain point and they'll go, well, things didn't turn out well because of this. And it's like, well, that's true. 
but if you look at another 10 years, we sorted that out as a society and kept going yeah. and expanded and liberalized and changed and all that sort of stuff. Well, I think the promise of the internet is a really, like the whole, we were so hopeful about the internet. Yeah. And the and now it's turned out to be, you know, with all of the information available in all of the world to at our fingertips at any time, people have narrowed their focus immensely. And I think that's why I'm well, obsessed with the idea of ethos because it's come back down to who the person who's telling you is and what their relationship to you is. Totally, but we're still in... If you think about it, the world is a lot more connected than it used to be. The world is a lot similar than it used... A lot more... Like, everywhere is a bit... It, you feel a bit more welcome everywhere. Everywhere is a bit similar. Yes, we've lost the individualism of a lot of places because it's all the same shops, but that also means that people relate to other countries and relate to the struggle more because they can read it and they can see it and they're passionate about it. Yes, it's created a, an anonymous nature with a lot of trolls and anger, but those same people were out there being angry, yelling in, on the street corner 30 years ago. It's now just a different version of it. And the internet's still so relatively new we don't actually know what the results are going to be. Yeah. Like already, like social media, everyone's going, oh, it's a huge problem for younger generations. Like, well, younger generations aren't using it in the same way because it's where their parents are. Yeah. They're using email and they're texting and they're using other forms of tech. Like social media, like everything else, will go the way of the dodo because everything changes because everyone tries to predict the nature of what their kids are going to do and their kids always do something Something else. Something else. Because their kids will do what their parents are not doing. Exactly. And so that's... And then I don't think people are really prepared for that. It's also... You have generations now growing up in this divided, weird world who saw the result of electing someone, using the Trump example, that was wholly unqualified. And they're going to live through that. And the switched on ones are going to connect the dots to it. Yeah. And be smarter about it. In the same way that Nixon in... You know, Nixon gave us a really divided America and the world. Nixon was a much better person than Trump, ironically, and did some really progressive, sneaky things and some also really horrible things. Um, but it still drove the world and united a bit more by opening a discussion with China, introducing trade. That said, it was manipulated and mutated, but who is to know that that was going to happen? Yeah. And was the beginning of ending the Cold War because it lost Russia a major ally in China because China saw the benefits of... Well, John um, Howard gave us the current attitude towards, or certainly amped up and inflated the current attitude towards refugees in Australia, but he also gave us gun control at great risk to himself. He, yeah. You know, he got in trouble for it at the time. He had to wear a ballistics vest... Uh, to give these speeches to these farmers who didn't want to give up their guns and people said that that was showy of him. I think it was also just that he didn't want to get shot. Yeah, it's also we're living in a time where a lot of political leaders and a lot of leaders in general are just trying to get reelected, and we've not had someone in a while who's just going to do what they're going to do and then is fine falling on the sword. And in politics, that's who you need. Like, the guy who... If you look at like the city of New York, the city of New York, it's always said, oh, it was saved by Rudy Giuliani bringing in all these police. It's actually not true. It was saved by all the programs Ed Koch put in place for 13 years. But all those programs took a decade to work around and be a result in. Barack Obama inherited a giant economic disaster and repaired the American economy to the point that it's booming. 
and stupid people are going, well, that was because Trump got elected. And it's like, well, no, that you don't know how the world works. Yep. Not everything happens overnight. Yeah. A president's first term is a, is a study in what the last guy did. <laughs> and I think that Trump is you know, going to end up resigning possibly by the end of this year. So we're not going to need to worry about him. Do you really think that? Or is, again, wishful thinking? I do really think it. It's, he's, it's a, this is a bit of a conspiracy theory talk, but it's very difficult to stay in power when no one wants you in power. They're going to find... You have to be squeaky clean and be an operator on a high level to dodge all those bullets coming at you, and he's not. I think this is one of the interesting things about Brexit in that most of the people who are charged with applying the vote and making it happen were not people that wanted it to happen. No. So it's a difficult thing to ask people to work extremely hard and well at something that they think is doomed to fail. Well, because they have to protect the democracy. It sounds really fucking stupid. Mm. But by denying the vote, mm. they would be eroding the democracy of Britain. Yeah, and they have to do it. But this is the... Like, the only good criminal lawyers are people who genuinely believe in the law and the legal principle that everyone deserves fair representation. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, the, the fact of having to defend... Someone who clearly did it. Someone who... And giving them their best possible case, even if they, you know, are pleading guilty, you still have to try to make sure they get as short a sentence as possible, that you, you have to, you know, make every argument in their favor that you possibly can no matter how horrendous they are yeah you need to have a rock solid belief that the principle of the law is incredibly valuable because otherwise you're just helping a pedo or whatever it happens to be helping a pedo is the name of my first book oh good when's yeah. that coming out it's already out. The problem with it was is Peter was a nickname for a guy named Peter. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't research my slang. None of that's true, but no, it's a it's a good lie. Fun. It is a good lie, isn't it? It's a noble lie. Um, and when can people find you online? You can find me at thejohnhastings.com, Twitter at thejohnhastings, at thejohnhastings on Instagram. You can listen to my podcast, which is the opposite of this, The Wrestler Review, where I review a wrestler with a comedian, Dylan Gott. Where can they find you, Alice Fraser? Well, they can find me on Patreon, patreon.com slash Alice Fraser, or at alliterative, A-L-I-T-E-R-A-T-I-V-E on Instagram and Twitter. But they know this. Um, or they can email me. Alice do you find it weird that people give you money on Patreon? Because people give us money on Patreon as well, and I find it bizarre. I find it incredibly heartening. Yeah, like it's just like, okay, cool. Like Because in the, I mean... You know, we're living in a world where copyright and so on and so forth, those kind of things are being disintegrated. The idea that an artist should be paid for their work is sort of evaporating in all sorts of directions. People feel entitled to free work because mm. they have freedom of information. Um, but then if, all, if artists don't get paid for their work by people, all you have is wealthy amateurs and people being paid by corporations or working for the state so freedom of expression is the victim of freedom of information in that way yes i totally agree i was gonna make a point but i totally forgot what it was well thank you for having tea with me john hastings i had coffee but that's fine we can lie to the people now i might go buy some Please ice cream made out of beans what yep bye bye
Oh, do you know? Oh, do you not? This top is mistress that we have got. Elsie Thompson, it is her name, and she helps the doffers at every frame. Loudy rifle, doll, loudy rifle, day. On Monday morning, when she comes in, she hangs her coat on the highest pin. Turns around for to view her frames, crying, damn you, doffers, cry up your ends. Loudy rifle, doll, loudy rifle, day. And when the boss, he looks round the door, tie your ends up, doffers, he will roar. Well, tie our ends up, we surely do, for Elsie Thompson, but not for you. Lally rifle, doll, lally rifle day. Oh, Elsie Thompson is going away, is it tomorrow or yet today? We'll tie 